Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast. I have Mike Freeman. He's the CEO of Occutrix uh, Vision Technologies. Uh, the website is oculens.com with a Z. So it's O-C-U-L-E-N-Z.com. And we're going to talk about uh, computer-mediated virtual reality wearables. So, Mike, thanks for coming. You're welcome. Thank you. Appreciate it. So just to give people a feel, when I hear Ocu, I think the eye. What, what, is, what are the products that uh, Occutrix makes? Yeah, so we make an augmented reality headset for both patients with low vision and for surgeons to help them uh, visualize the surgery better. We started out with our uh, Oculens AMD headset that's for uh, macular degeneration and other low vision patients to help them see better. And so uh, actually my father, who was a Brigadier General in the Air Force, Richard Freeman, my brother and I in the 1990s, invented mobile video and uh, figured out how to send video over multiple uh, cellular channels, Wi-Fi, RF channels, put them all back together again. So we had some expertise in uh, in uh, mobile video. We actually won a couple of Emmy Awards for that uh, product because all the television stations used it and ended up selling it to Samsung in the 2000s for a good payday. And so when my father developed macular degeneration uh, years later, he said, let's put our heads together about, uh, you know, what we know about video and see if we can come up with something. The breakthrough is when we uh, got him a curved television in Christmas 2013. And he walked up to it and he said, I still can't see the 50-yard line. It was a football game, but I can see everything else so much better. And that clicked and we go, oh, okay, let's let's do a headset that will put all the pixels on the edge and nothing in the area of the defect. So we did. It worked. Oh. It worked, and uh, at first we were doing virtual reality. We realized the second Dad put the headset on, that VR is not going to work because he got up and started running, and it's like, no, no, you'll trip. You know, you got to be able to see your surroundings and your peripheral uh, beyond the headset. So we quickly converted to a augmented reality uh, headset, and in 2019 we started our first uh, clinical trials, and uh, we had patients that had bilateral scotomas, which means that they, their macula had a defect. The macula is the central, central about 18 degrees field of vision, a circle of the eye. And, uh, so when these people lose their central vision, it's very hard for them to read, to function, they can't drive, can't ride the lawnmower, they can't see people's faces, they can't lip read, you know, if they have, if they're hard to one, hear. One question here. Um, yes. macula degeneration, what happens? The center of your vision goes first and goes to the periphery or how does it work? Typically the uh, periphery uh, doesn't go but the center vision does so it's like you're looking at the you know if you put your fist up in front of one of your eyes and you looked around the room that's what macular degeneration looks like they cannot see anything that's in front of them but actually because the uh, brain quits carrying information from the part that's dead they just see two disjointed pictures like you like you trifolded a piece of paper and you got two edges that don't match 
you know, coming together. So each, each eye sees two different pictures? Yes, right. Each eye doesn't see the middle and just sees the two edges uh, folded onto each other. What about the um, the center, though? Not the center of the eye, but so my left eye and my right eye, if I can only see the periphery, part of the periphery would be, so the right edge of my left eye and the left edge of my right eye should see approximately the same thing, right? Yes, but, but can you imagine how hard it is to try to, so you don't use your peripheral vision uh, that much all your life. And then when you try to read, can you imagine seeing the first two letters of can and then seeing the last two letters about four words down? So it's and it overlaps, like the um, the, yeah. the things you see. Is is your brain trying to assemble a picture so it overlaps these disparate pieces? It does. They actually did some. T- the FDA did some testing in the eighties, and they showed patients with macular degeneration a long chart of just letters, just random letters, and the brain always tried to put it together into some kind of word, the letters they could see. But obviously, with this disease, you don't see about anywhere from eight to 10 to 13 to 15 degrees in the center, which is sometimes half of a line of, you know, of reading. And so it's very hard. So they have to kind of memorize the first two letters, shift their periphery, look at another two letters, try to remember what that is, shift another two letters and see if they can figure out what the word is. Very slow reading, if at all. So in our patient trial, we had, we tested people who had given up reading uh, for at least one year. Some One of the gentlemen had, had given up reading for four years. They put the headset on. We go through a visual field test in the headset, which is comprised of shooting stars and flashes of light. They click a handheld uh, Bluetooth clicker when they can see it. And when they can't see it, that's when our algorithms start mapping out where they can't see in their eye. And then when we show them the real world after they finish the test in each eye, when we show them the real world, we're doing 60 frames a second. We buffer the image uh, every one of those 60 frames. And within about 10 milliseconds of, uh, of every one of those 60 frames a second, we move all the pixels out. So the entire image is there, but it's compressed. So it might be just a teensy bit smaller than it originally was. But now all of the information is there, but none of it is displayed in the area of their defect, which is that central region. So, okay, so this software sees the whole field of view and continually polls or tests to see where the person can see or not, and then it reconstructs the proper view from what it sees. Yes, leaving out the and, area. And, and projects it into the right spot on the remaining vision area of the eye. Yeah, from the right spot all the way around. So it's kind of like a, kind of like a bullseye. You can see everything, but you can't see the center, like three or four rings in the bullseye. So... We have for reading, we have uh, what we call the barn door software, and that that moves things out just rectilinearly, which is left to right. So they can literally look at a sentence, and everything is going to be moved out in the area they can see it. And as they scan down that line, the uh, the eye tracking moves moves the buffer with their defect, their eye gaze, and so they can always see all the letters because they're all, they're moved out. If your viewers probably are familiar with like shaders or uh, buff, uh, buffering with uh, video. And so that's what we're doing. We're basically have got uh, algorithms that, that identify the defect. Uh, we've got about 500,000 polynomials in there so we can connect them with about any shape that we need. And then the buffer knows not to put anything, any information inside that area where they can't see. It's remarkable. It's cool. So you're, you're literally a visionary. 
<laughs> yes, we learned later. I, I will tell you, we learned later that there have been some early attempts to try to do something like this, uh, but the technology wasn't there. They were trying to work with a with a car battery and a you know ten pound helmet, and so our ha- our, our we're using the very latest. We've got a we're a tier one uh, customer of uh, uh, Qualcomm, and we're using their XR2 uh, chipsets, and uh, so we've got the very advanced. We've, we've got uh, not only are we able to buffer like that, but we've got sensors all over the camera, so uh, all over the headset. So we can, we do SLAM technology, which is simultaneous localization and mapping, which is how the Google autonomous, autonomous cars drive. Basically, the headset looks out and it puts a grid that's, uh, and then uses the Android 7 million identified objects. And uh, then it puts a grid out there and it identifies the objects and how far they off, how far, how far off they are. And so that way, a person with low vision can have a headset that says, caution, staircase, three feet left, you know, couch, two feet ahead, uh, door, three feet right, caution, curb, six feet ahead, those kind of things. So the form factor of this, is it similar to like an Oculus Rift or is it still more bulky or less bulky or like what's the end goal? Just like a pair of glasses with maybe like a tiny little battery that goes behind your ear? Yeah. So we have to have the chipset and the circuit board, uh, you know, in the headset with the uh, micro displays. And so we've, we're about, uh, about 300 grams, which is just a little bit heavier than a cell phone with a cover on it. So it's not very heavy. A lot of the surgeons have tried it out. And basically what happened is we went around to the American Academy of Ophthalmology, went to about 27 uh, professional conferences in, in 2019. Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click support us today. Now back to the show. And uh, the retinal surgeons were just, they were all like, this is remarkable. Uh, we let ad hoc just people walk up and test it that had macular degeneration that worked on everyone. And so the retinal surgeons were very impressed. And then they went, wait, we've got a problem too. We're like 15% of us have to get back surgery because of the bad ergonomics of looking into a standard optical microscope. Uh, you, you set it and even, even as you slump during a two hour surgery that, you know, they put phone books underneath their butt to get them back up where they can see and their neck is oh, neck wow. and back is always in a strain. And so by wearing the headset, we can give them a digital, a digital view of the surgery that is projected on the headset. We have not only the lightest, lightest weight, I believe in the market, but, uh, we, we have a 60 pixel, uh, 60 degrees, excuse me, 60 degrees of horizontal vision by uh, 39 degrees uh, vertical vision, which is exact 16 by nine, just like a typical television uh, is. So you get two TV screens uh, in your eye. And then because we are, are 3D, you can either leave it set where it looks like it's on the glasses or you can move it out about one meter in front of you 
and to have it be like a hologram so you can adjust it for your comfort level. Yeah, this is super cool. Is it in use yet or what's what's left for you to get it uh, commercially available? It's in it's in testing right now. And we were actually we were just uh, in, in a, a clinic uh, this weekend uh, uh, doing some tests with it to get the final protocols down. So the AMD headset will be out. We'll be finished with the UL certifications and that kind of thing uh, the second quarter of this year. And so the AMD headset will be out sometime in the second quarter. The surgery headset will follow just a little bit later. Uh, in the surgery headset, we have a thing that's called med tiles. And so if the surgeon looks straight ahead, let's take, since ophthalmology was kind of our first thing, let's take a cataract surgery. The camera is going to focus on the cataract surgery and send that feed 3D to the headset. And so the surgeon sees a 3D about 5K, higher than 4K, uh, almost 60 pixels per degree image, which is extremely clear in the eye, 60 pixels per degree being as high as human eye can discern resolution. And then if they look to the left in virtual format, but exactly like it is on the screen of the, of the uh, equipment, medical equipment, they've got all the patient vital information that's, you know, real time moving and the graphs and the waves and the numbers. Then if they look to the right, all of the preoperative uh, surgery information that they needed to uh, refer to during the surgery is right there at their fingertips. And actually, this is one of the reasons why we've got a master services agreement with uh, AT&T, because we're also going to be one of the first to bring a 5G edge computing uh, to clinics and hospitals uh, around the world, uh, because with the 5G edge, uh, you can have your database you know, right right now, let me say, start out right now, if I ping Siri or ask a question on my cell phone, it may go five states away to find a data bank that's open to send me back an answer. And that takes anywhere from uh, 20 to 80, 90 milliseconds typically. And so uh, by you, by using 5G Edge and the AT&T solution inside the uh, uh, hospital, they have antennas that are locked and they won't let a signal outside of the building. So the signal has to be controlled within the building. The data bank is within the building. And so in some of the tests we've done, we can download a three-minute uh, 3D MRI scan into the headset in like uh, uh, 10 seconds where it has taken, you know, 10 minutes or more during surgeries to get that kind of complex information transferred from one medium uh, to the other. Oh, nice. Okay. So I have a friend that has macular degeneration. He's only like 40-something. Yes. Um, would he have to go to his doctor to get this or, you know, when and how could he get it? And what would be the approximate price you'd guess? Yeah, he can come to our website, this website, which is like you said, Oculens, or it's also Ocutrex Tech, which is O-C-U-T-R-X-T-E-C-H.com. And uh, we have an ordering mechanism there. Uh, the, the good thing about this is it's a 510K uh, exempt uh, from uh, uh, the FDA. And so like an ophthalmologist can sell it, optometrist can sell it, and you don't have to actually have an actual prescription. However, we work with the retinal surgeons and the uh, ophthalmologists by basically every time a person does a visual field test on either eye. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. We upload it to the HIPAA secured cloud, and then we put the analog, we put the algorithms to it. And if either the size is different, larger, or if somewhere there used to be a green dot, meaning they could see, and now there's a red dot, meaning they can't see, then that sends the information, sends an alert to their 
ophthalmologist because sometimes these people, when they get in-stage macular degeneration and they have difficulty seeing, there's not much the retinal surgeon or ophthalmologist can do. So they set them up to see them, you know, every six months or a year or something. But if they have a bleed in the meantime, uh, a, a current bleed can be, uh, the, the damaging effect can be greatly reduced through injections. And so this gives the surgeon or the retinal surgeon uh, or the ophthalmologist real-time information about, oops, Mrs. Smith may have a retinal bleed. You need, you need to get her in now, not six months from now, so you can save more of her eyesight. And so for that, we get a, uh, for that in-home monitoring, then we get a, uh, a Medicare reimbursement to the patient, to the doctors. Yeah. What about for uh, people that are colorblind? Could you use this for color correction or is it too, is it over the top for those kind of people? Or, you know, what about if you're just blind? Um, would this help you as well? I mean, maybe yeah, not see, but you know, yeah, not, for, not for total blindness yet. There was a, a device called uh, one site that was an implantable that worked with a headset, but that they've taken that off the market because people didn't like to have uh, uh, ribbon cables hanging out the bottom of their eyeballs. And so the te- that technology is just not there yet. But in our case, it, it, we can help people with like uh, glaucoma, uh, just lo- low vision or poor vision, macular degeneration. And then we're working on a few of the other diseases like retinitis pigmentosa. And we haven't got that one licked yet, but we've got some promising results. I think before long, in the next few years, we'll be able to help a whole host of patients. As a matter of fact, Macular degeneration is the largest blindness illness in the United States. There's about 13 million people that have end-stage macular degeneration and almost 100 million people worldwide. And so it's, there's a big market and we can help a lot of people and then help the surgeon. So we, we actually combine the headset with uh, what we call an OR bot, which has uh, cobotic arms on it, meaning that they move by themselves or they move to the command of the surgeon. And uh, so the OR bot has, uh, we just developed a um, 3D autostereoscopic uh, television that doesn't need uh, 3D glasses to see 3D. Uh, the surgeon can wear the headset, look at the television without 3D glasses, or we have a, what we call the mini lens, which is a digital microscope, which uh, basically is just letting them see the digital field with with oculars like you would see on a on a uh, standard, you know, optical microscope. So with those three options, we can, we can get basically most of the surgeons that need to see a visualization that is ergonomic and won't cause them to have to, you know, get surgeries like spine surgeons. It's just neurosurgeons that came on board with us, uh, wears loops. And, uh, he said, uh, I used to, I used to my neck, I have to look directly down. I have to hold my, my chin against my chest to do surgery, looking through these loops. And used to be about the fourth surgery every day. My neck had started aching, and now it's about the first surgery every day. And so what we do is we have, we can either look through the microscope and put a microscope on this cobotic arm that comes over the area of the surgery, or the headset has two 4K cameras in it that can either look straight ahead or the surgeon can rotate them and position them, uh, you know, 30 degrees, 35 degrees, 45 degrees, all the way down to 90 degrees. So he can stand there and have a comfortable posture looking straight ahead and looking at the surgery that's below him. Okay. I've seen sunglasses like they're, you know, they're low tech, but you have like prisms in them or tilted mirrors and you can lay in bed and just look yeah. ahead and then read yeah, a book, you know, on your lap. Yep. This is an electronic way of doing that. So we're doing it with electronics. 
By the way, what's wrong with 3D glasses? Why do they, uh, I don't know, some people, like like me, they hurt your eyes and they're just weird. Like what, what's wrong with them? What's wrong with what? Reading glasses? No, with with uh, 3D glasses. Like you go to the movies and you know, I oh. remember years ago they were awful. Now yeah. they're still awful, just in a different yeah. way. Like, what part of it has to do and why does it look like crap? Yeah, so part of the problem with the 3D glasses is that, number one, uh, they're polarized. And so they're always blocking at least 50% of the light. So they're blocking either 50% or 100% of the light as they switch back and forth. And the process of switching back and forth gives most people a headache, right? That's really what it is. And part of the reason that it is is because the lenses are not polarized to your individual interpupillary distance, right? These are just for the masses. And so the, the polarization scheme tries to cover uh, interpupillary distances between 4.5 millimeters to like 7.5. And so they're not really corrected for your eyes. In other words, if those were real glasses, you'd never wear them because it'd make your head hurt. So there's a couple of things going on there. And so that's why, uh, you know, we surgeons right now, uh, there's a couple of uh, med- major medical companies out there right now that have television screens for surgeons to look at where they have to wear the 3D glasses. And it's kind of ridiculous because it's kind of like a surgeon wearing sunglasses going through a surgery, which doesn't make sense to me. Gotcha. Okay. So um, where do you go from here? You want to get the product out commercially. It's going to be used by surgeons and people of macular generation. And then you spoke about a few other conditions that you also want to address. But are there any big leaps that you're looking to overcome? Or is it, you know, at this stage, you've done the big leaps and it's more of a refinement in the technology. Yeah, we've done the big leaps. It's more of refinement of the technology. Uh, we've got the uh, the endpoints uh, for the uh, glasses for the headset, the uh, oculens for the patients, the OR lens for the surgeons. We've got the television. We've got the mini lens. And uh, one of the things that uh, that we've got is is we're using a really high uh, camera sensors, and so we can get for the surgeons where, where some of the major competitors give them like a uh, six times magnification or eight times magnification, we can give them like 12 to 16 times magnification with a little picture in picture that keeps them working because you're getting so close, you're only seeing like blood vessels and little pieces of tissue. And then we give them a picture in picture with the whole picture to keep them oriented where they are. So, uh, you know, we're still in software, finishing up software. That's why the surgeon headsets will be out probably third quarter of this year instead of the second quarter. Uh, but uh, things are going great. We've got a wonderful relationship with Qualcomm. We've got a wonderful relationship with AT&T, and uh, people are ordering the, the low-vision headsets online, and we're uh, working with surgeons uh, almost on a daily basis, both here and in Europe, uh, uh, looking at the headsets, giving us, uh, uh, you know, a little, uh, if I was doing it, I'd do it this way on the software and that kind of thing, and then we'll have it out a little bit later this year. Is there any point in making um, glasses that would also give you some information in the infrared range and the ultraviolet range? The reason why uh, I ask yes. is, you know, is infrared could tell you different things about the person you're speaking to or the things you're looking at. And then ultraviolet, I've heard like in the, um, in the skin, in the area of skin, um, taking pictures of people's skin with ultraviolet reveals details you wouldn't normally see under natural light. Yes, we're, we're actually doing both. Matter of fact, our third patent, and we've got four patents that have issued. We expect at least three or four more. We've got about 60 filed right now. Uh, but our, our third patent that uh, just issued uh, is covers the visual field test and the headset. Before 
we could do the visual headset and the visual field test in our headset. It took a machine like a Humphreys visual field analyzer, cost about fifteen to twenty-five thousand dollars into the size of a refrigerator. And so now we've got it down into a headset. And the second thing, just as you mentioned, is we've got the patent on the optical coherence thermography, uh, which is an imaging technique that allows uh, micromillimeter resolution and uh, uses uh, infrared uh, imaging to basically go through the tissue and kind of give the surgeon the, the structure. Like you've seen the maps where it looks like the real mountains and the ocean. That's what we can give for, for instance, the back of the retina to the retina surgeons so they can see, is there a tear somewhere? Is there a macular hole? And so uh, we've got that uh, in the works for our headset and also it's in our just issued patent. Very good. Well, Mike, what's the best way for people to find out more and to, you know, they just go to the website, Oculens, or what should they do to follow up? Yes, yes. Go there. We've got an info at uh, oculens.com and just send us a send us a question. We'd be happy to, uh, we've got a full outreach team uh, Victoria McCarter uh, is our uh, uh, communications uh, uh, chief communications officer, and she gets back with people within you know hours or days, and uh, we're happy to answer questions and let people know more about what this uh, kind of sci-fi gee whiz technology is coming. Very good, Mike. Thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. I appreciate it. It was a great time. Thank you. If you like this podcast please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.